It's time to pull up a chair and open your Bible for today's Bible study segment of Naomi's Table. Now, here's our teacher, Ruth Christian. Well, good afternoon again. Today we begin chapter four. And it's interesting. It's it's the third time that we're going to be considering the subject of love. John is not just talking in circles, although if you give this letter just a cursory reading, it may seem like that. But in writing to his spiritual children, he, he really hasn't run out of ideas and, and has to repeat himself. It means that the Holy Spirit who inspired John presents the subject of love once more from a, a different point of view. And in this case, it's a deeper point of view. We'll begin to go deeper in our study of love. Next lesson. But before he can do that and deal with perfect love, he has to deal with the Gnostics of the day who are denying the faith, who are stumbling his children. And um, he did so previously, we know, in chapter 2, verse 20 through 25, and other just single verses throughout the letter, but now in verses 1 through 6. So let's read all six verses to see what they say, and then we'll discuss what they mean. So in verse 1, he starts, he says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and is now already in the world. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are of the world, therefore they speak as of the world, and the world hears them. We are of God. He who knows God hears us. He who is not of God does not hear us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. First, John commands them, you know, in a sense, I mean, my paraphrase, don't be gullible. Don't believe everything you hear. He tells them there are many false prophets out in the world, true in our day. Test the spirits. They know the truth. You know, these believers, they know the truth. So test the moral and spiritual implications of any new idea. The Spirit of God, teaching through John and others, confesses that Jesus had come in the flesh. That's why he said they don't, they don't hear us, but um, it had been taught by others. The Spirit of the Antichrist in false teachers did not confess that Jesus had come in the flesh. John says, you've heard the Spirit was coming and now is in the world. And the spirit of error of the Gnostics remains to this day. True prophecy and true teaching will present a true Jesus. In John's day, the issue was about if Jesus had truly come in a real body of flesh and blood. So many Gnostic-influenced teachers said that Jesus, being God, could not have actually become flesh and blood human because God could have no partnership with impure material stuff. All matter, including the human body, was sinful. Thus, some of the Gnostics believe in a form of 
um, um, docet, docetism, easy for me to say. And it's, it's a view that Christ was a spirit who only seemed to be a true man. Now, false Christians in John's day used two special words to describe their experience, knowledge and unction. They claimed to have a special unction, a special anointing from God, which gave them a unique higher knowledge than other Christians. They were illuminated, they said, and therefore living a much higher level than anybody else in their, in their, in what they knew. But John in chapter two points out that all true Christians know God and have received the true anointing of God. And in the King James version, it's translated as unction because they have received the spirit of God. It is important to understand why John would spend so much time refuting their teaching. The great assertion of the faith that sets a Christian apart from others is this. Jesus Christ is God come in the flesh. 1 John 4, 2. In these six verses, John is telling his spiritual children that not all preachers and teachers who claim to be Christian are really Christian in their belief. Now, it's interesting. Gnosticism is still around today, but most cults deny the deity of Christ, not the humanity of Christ. Today, we uh, we are passionate about saying, and we should be, Jesus is God. But it is no less important to say Jesus is a man because both the deity and humanity of Jesus are essential to our salvation. Jesus is the God-man. Because it says in verse 2, every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God, there are some that think that this might be the only test of false doctrine. Well, of course, this is not the only test, but it was the significant issue challenging the church in John's immediate time. Today, a person might confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh, like I said before, but deny that he's God. So they also are giving false doctrine because they're not presenting the true Jesus, and that's the point. So verse 4, John says, You are of God, little children, and have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. John wants them to know the child of God need not fear the spirit of Antichrist, <clears throat> Excuse me. even though they should be warned of it, because they have the indwelling spirit of God. Chapter 3, verse 24. He is greater than he who is in the world, Satan and all of his buddies. So the, the believer has a resource for victory the vital presence of the indwelling Jesus in the form of the Holy Spirit, which makes victory always possible if we will rely on he who is in you instead of in ourselves. That's our problem oftentimes. This understanding gives great confidence and spiritual power. For those walking in this truth, victory is assured. They have overcome them. That's what he says here. This is a positive statement, not a wishful hope, and we just we need to believe it. In verses 5 and 6, we have the contrast between those in the world and those who are of God. Let's read it again. 
They are of the world. Therefore, they speak as of the world, and the world hears them. We, however, are of God. He who knows God hears us. He who is not of God does not hear us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. He who knows God hears us, John says. He who is not of God does not hear us. Who's the us? When John says us here, he can only be talking about he and the other apostles and their authoritative revelation in the Bible when he says us. When we know God and are of God, we hear what the Bible says. For us now, of course, it's everything recorded in the Bible from the apostles who were um, inspired by the Holy Spirit. Commentator Boyce says this, If this were a mere individual talking, the claim would be presumptuous, but it's not. It's one of the apostles citing the collective testimony of all the apostles and making that testimony the measure of truth and sound doctrine. Understanding just who hears what God has taught through the apostles, as recorded in the New Testament, helps us to know the spirit of truth versus the spirit of error. If someone hears what God has said in the Bible, we know that we have the spirit of truth, in other words. If they do not hear it, they have the spirit of error. And we're talking about where? In their heart. It's a heart issue. Because there is so much false teaching entering the church today, these are very important verses to think on. May we be those who keep in the spirit of truth by clinging to Jesus, the one who said, I am the truth in John 14, 6. But here's the reality. In order to know that, we must know God's word. Until next time, stay close to Jesus and keep looking up.